Well, good morning. I want to welcome you to part four in our series called Unshakable. We're learning how to thrive no matter what they throw at us. And I think it's a great series for such a time as this. Today, I want to look at the idea of like when someone asks you to do the impossible. Like, have you ever been there? Like, like your boss comes in and basically um, they look at you or maybe not just not your, your boss. It could be a parent. It could be a friend. It could be somebody from the neighborhood. And they say, I need you to do this for me. And in your mind, you're thinking there's no way that I can get this done. I mean, like, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't have the resources, the background, the talent, the connections. How in the world do they expect me to do this? Or, or like your boss comes in and, and he says, I need this report by Tuesday. And you don't tell him anything, you know, but in your mind you're thinking he is or she is crazy. Many times in life, you will be faced with an impossible situation. What do you do in moments like that? Well, the title of the message for today actually comes from Daniel chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Daniel chapter 2, and it's specifically coming from verses 10 and 11. Uh, The king, the wicked king, the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, um, he is asking his advisors for um, something, and they're looking at him in verse 10 and 11 of chapter 2, in Daniel chapter 2, and they say, look, what you're asking us to do is impossible. Nobody can do what you're asking us to do. And so let's go ahead and begin in verse 1 so you can get the context of what's going on. Okay, so Daniel chapter 2, verse 1, I'm reading from the NLT, the New Living Translation. It says this, One night during the second year of his reign, uh, by the way, Daniel is 17 years old now, and he is in, um, he's been in this program that I told you about a few weeks ago. It's what I call the a brainwashing program. Um, they, he has been taken captive. He's been taken from his home nation to Iraq, to Babylon, and they're trying to uh, get him to forget everything about Israel, about his faith, and all of that. And so he's 17. He's about two years into the program. And it says this, Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. He called in his magicians and enchanters and sorcerers and astrologers, and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. Now, you have to understand, this was not an unusual thing. The Babylonian culture was based on the occult. Not unusual for leaders to run towards sorcerers and magicians and astrologers, not astronomers, astrologers, you know, we've... I think I told you a few weeks ago, astronomy is a legitimate science. Astrology, on the other hand, is a fake religion. And it says this. It says, and they stood before the king and said, and as they stood, excuse me, as they stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream that deeply troubles me and I must know what it means. Then the astrologers answer the king In Aramaic, long live the king. Tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means. But the king said to the astrologers, I am serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses will be turned into hips of rubble. Now, 
in his mind, this king is thinking, if you are calling yourself magicians and psychics, and you cannot tell me, if you, if you can't tell me what I dreamed, then how can I trust you to interpret my dreams? So he's kind of putting them to the test a little bit. He's tr- just trying to, he's basically saying, look, if, if, how can I trust you? How do I, I want to make sure you're just not a bunch of fakes. You're not like, I'm, I want to make sure that you have real power and real wisdom. So you, you better tell me what I dreamed. If not, I, I mean, this, you're gonna, you're, I'm going to punish you. you. The consequences are coming your way. Look in verse 10. The astrologers replied to the king. Basically, they're coming together. They're joining in. And they all say in unison, they say, no one on earth can tell the king his dream. I mean, like, nobody can do what you're asking. This is crazy. And no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. Like, what you're asking us to do is impossible. Verse 11. It says, the king's demand is impossible. It says, the king was furious when he heard this, and he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. Now, this guy is going a little bit over the top. Wouldn't you say? Imagine, he's saying, I am going to assassinate my whole court, my entire court, because you cannot tell me what my dream was. This guy, is, he has gone mad. Look in verse 13. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. So this is what you would call a a, a real crisis. What's going on? Well, this king wants to know the future. He wants to know what's ahead of him. Why why is that? I would imagine control, more than likely. Like, when I want to know the future, uh, when I want to know what's going to happen next in my life, it's usually... Uh, and we all do that, by the way, right? Like, I, I, like we all want to know what's ahead. We all want to know, like, what's going to happen next. It's part of our human nature. And, and I think that we do that because we think that when we know the future, we have a little bit more control. So this whole thing is about control. This king is having nightmares, and he wants to know what the future holds. And, of course, he's a pagan king. He doesn't trust God, the true God. And he's freaking out. Now, let me just kind of say this just as a side note, okay? What does God say about predicting the future? Because there's a lot of people that um, pretend to know what's ahead. And they, they want to, like on my way to church, I always drive by um, this place that says psychic, you know, car readers, like we'll tell you your future, and so let me just real quick, these are not like the main points, but I, I really feel like I should speak to it uh, just to kind of give you a few pointers on, on what God says about predicting the future. Three things real quick. Number one, no one knows the future except for God. In fact, a great reference, if you want a reference, you can dig in a little bit more. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 7. Write that down. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 7. God says, no one can tell the future. Number two, all psychics, all car readers, fortune tellers, they're frauds. They're fake, okay? And number three, if you study scripture, you'll learn that the test of a true prophet of God is 100% accuracy. So let me give you another, another reference, Deuteronomy 18, 21, and 22. This is a great passage. I'm just going to read it briefly, um, but you... 
if you would like, take some time studying this because I think you're, you're going to find it fascinating. It says this, if you want to know if a prophet's message is really from God, here's how to test him. If you want to know, like, if, 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 this, if this guy, if this prophet is the real deal, this is how you test him, God says. If any part doesn't come true, that prophecy is false and not from God. He was speaking his own ideas, and you should pay no attention nor to him. Uh, you should pay him no attention nor fear him. So God basically says, look, the true test of a prophet of God is 100% accuracy. He says all psychics, all car readers are... You know, all fortune tellers, they're frauds. They're, they're not, not fake. And only God, really, only God knows the future. And so what I find interesting is that here we are 2,500 years later. Okay, so we're like 2,500 years after this event that happened in Babylon. And people are still trying to figure out the future. I know that there's times in my life when I want to know what's next. Right now with the coronavirus, um, and you know that we basically said to help our, our community, to help our government, because I feel like our governor what, doesn't want to shut down the economy again. We're going to do our part and we're going to we're going to hit the pause button as far as our uh, live in-service services. And I'm thinking, uh, you know, the whole time as I, we're making this decision with our leadership team, I'm thinking, man, how much longer are we going to go? I want to know what the future holds. And so I love how the Bible relates to us. Like I said, on the way here, big, huge sign that says psychics. We will tell you the future. We will tell you uh, what's ahead. We will, you know, we, car readers, and we'll do all of that stuff. And the truth is that I think what God is teaching us right now, and the reason why he doesn't tell us in detail the future, like he'll tell us some things, like we know that, like we know the end of the story, right? In broad, generic terms, we know that, we as Christians are victorious. Like if you read the book of, of Revelation, if you study all the way to the end, like we win. We are conquerors. We, you know, Jesus is coming back to rescue us from this mess. But we don't know the time. We don't know details. And I think the reason why God does that, why he doesn't tell us exactly every detail about the future, is because he wants us to trust him. And if there's one thing that I'm learning in my life right now is to trust Him. I don't really know what the future holds, but I know who holds my future. And so, going back to the story, what do we do when we're asked to do the impossible? So your boss, the government, a competitor, uh, you know, maybe somebody in the neighborhood, a parent is asking you to do something and you think that's impossible. I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't have the background, I don't have the contacts, the talent, I can't do it. Well, let's learn from Daniel how to face an impossible situation, whether it's finances, whether it's spiritual, relationally, mentally. Um, this is what God says. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. God says, don't panic, don't be afraid. He says it over and over and over, all over scripture. Look in verse 14, Daniel 2, verse 14. It says, when Arioch the commander of the king's guard came to kill them. Daniel, watch this, handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. Now, this, this blows me away. This guy, this king, the most powerful man on earth at this time, orders the, assassin, the assassination of Daniel. 
okay, and the rest of the, the advisors. He's only 17, and this, he sends his people to kill Daniel. This guy, on behalf of the king, shows up to kill him, and the Bible says that Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. Not bad for a 17-year-old kid, right? He didn't panic. He was not afraid of what was going on. And I thought, man, how in the world do you do that? What, I mean, what kind of faith, I mean, what do you do to get that kind of faith? And so let me ask you, what are you panicking about today? It may be that job opportunity that you're looking for. It may be that you're almost there, just, all, just a few more things and it will all work out, but you're, you're panicking a little bit. What job problem are you dealing with or struggle and you're like, man, you know, like just, I'm just, I cannot, I'm, I'm having panic attacks. What financial situation are you dealing with and you're saying, I don't think I'll ever, I don't think we'll ever get out of debt. It's just one bill after the next, one unexpected thing after the next. What hurt are you dealing with? Maybe there's a physical hurt and you're like, your side hurts and you're thinking, Man, I, I hope it's not cancer, or I hope it's not this, and because you feel like your health is, has been going down the drain in the last, few, the last few months or the last few weeks. What are you worrying about? Is it your marriage? Is it fear of the future? Is it a dream that you had and things just don't look good with the, with the pandemic and everything, and you're freaking out? Let me encourage you, be a Daniel. Don't panic. Don't be afraid. That's the first thing that we learn from him. Here's the second thing that I think is super interesting. Uh, You and I need to learn to ask why. Let me explain. You need to learn to ask, you need to learn the facts. You need to understand what the motivation behind whatever that person is asking you, whatever that other person is, is doing to you. Because when someone asks you to do the impossible, you really need to know why they're, they're asking you that one thing. You need to learn all the facts. You need to learn all, like the motivation behind it. Like, especially if there's a lot of emotion behind. Like the, clearly with this king, he's furious, the Bible says. And so a great question in this case is ask, what's fueling the fury? And so in, in the case of the kings, clearly he's afraid. He's having one nightmare after the next. He's scared to death. And he is literally, he's throwing up his fear on everybody else. And so your boss comes to you, your supervisor, your spouse, whoever, and they're putting pressure on you. I think a great thing that the Bible tells us, teaches us here, and you'll see it here in a minute, is to ask why. Why is this person, why are they asking me to get this done today? I mean, where is that, where is that coming from? Learn the story behind the story. Now watch this, verse 15. He asked Arioch, so Daniel asked the guy that comes in to kill him, he asked him this question, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Arioch told him all that had happened. So you've got to get the facts. Proverbs 23, 23, in the New Living Translation, Proverbs 23, 23 says this, get the facts at any price. I love that. Anytime that you're making a major decision, don't just rely on emotion. 
Don't, don't just go by gut feeling. Don't just go by the way you feel because your feelings will betray you. Your feelings will lie to you. And so God's word tells us, it is, I mean, I don't know that this is, this is pure wisdom. God says, he's looking at you and me today, and he says, whenever you're dealing with an impossible situation, whenever somebody's demanding something of you that's not reasonable, get the facts. Understand the why behind it. Maybe your boss is dealing with stress that, that you're not aware of. Maybe, maybe there's something personal in their lives and they're just taking it out on you. Bible says, get the facts at any price. Number three, it says this. Um, if you're taking notes, write this down. Ask for time to create a solution. Ask for time to create a solution. Create margin, basically. The reason why you and I need to ask for time instead of just jumping and getting to work is because when you're in the middle of a crisis, the temptation for a lot of us is to have, uh, to be impulsive. So you're in a car wreck. You get out. Man, you are shaken up, right? We're talking about unshakable. Like you're not thinking logically. You're, you're a little bit emotional. You're not thinking rationally. In that moment, you don't need to be making fast decisions, impulsive decisions. And so there are times in your life when it's more important to make the right decision than to necessarily make a fast decision. Now watch this. I'm not making this up. This is what God's Word tells us. Look in verse 16. Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. So what is Daniel doing? Is he being lazy? No, 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 no. He's not, this is not about being lazy. This is not about Daniel being a sloth. No, he's not just waiting for life to happen to him. He's not just waiting for somebody to give him a handout. No, 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 no. He's very intentional. This takes initiative. I mean, he's not slow. The Bible says he, he actually goes at once to find out. So he's not ignoring the situation. So make sure you understand it, it, when, when you're faced with the impossible, don't just, doo, 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 you know, just kind of take your old time, you know. Like, don't, don't let depression get the best of you because a lot of times when we face the impossible, we stay in bed and we just think that by letting God handle the situation, what, we, what that means is to just, you know, do nothing. No, 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 no. Daniel is very intentional about taking time and so at once he goes and he asked he basically for a little bit of time to create a solution. He takes time to think. He takes time to breathe, to calm down. He takes time to pray and to talk to God. And so he asked for some time to create a solution. So what are we going to do when we're asked to do the impossible? Number one, we're not going to panic. The Bible says, do not be afraid. Number two, we're going to ask why. We're going to learn the motives. We're going to learn the facts at all costs. Number three, we're going to ask time so that we can create a solution. Not time just to be lazy, but very purposeful, very intentional. Number four, look at what Daniel does. Verse 17. Then Daniel went home and told his friends what had happened. I love this. I love this. You know what Daniel is doing? Daniel is recruiting a group of friends to pray for him. Now, Daniel knows, man, our lives are at stake. Like, we can, we're gonna, like, this king 
is going to have our heads, like we're going to be, we're in trouble, okay? But he recognizes something that we say at LifePoint all the time. He recognizes that life is better together. So is Daniel going to spend all night praying? You better believe it. Is he going to get on his knees and he's going he's gonna to say, Lord, I, I need you to come through? Is he going to spend some time in, in the Word, some time meditating, some time with God by himself? You better believe it. But he also knows that there are times in our lives when, especially there are moments when we need a little bit more support, when something is too big of a deal for us to just deal on our own. There are times in our lives where, where we need ground support, but we also need air support. We need to tackle the problem from every angle. And he's going to recruit a group of friends to pray for him because he knows life is better together. Look in verse 18. So Daniel goes to his friends and he's, it says, he urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. So Daniel is very wise and he says, look guys, we need to come together. We need to pray. Like this is a time, like I need some, some prayer partners. And I want to ask you, do you have that in your life? I said a few weeks ago, I believe I said, if, if the unthinkable happens, who are the first five people that you can text, that you can call, who will lift you up in prayer? If you lose a loved one, if you find out that, yes, it is cancer, if you're struggling financially and you don't know what to do and you're down and you're depressed and you're dealing with anxiety and, and, and this world is, and you feel like, man, they're just throwing you, this life is throwing you a curveball and you feel like, you know, like a, a train is coming after you and it's going to hit you. Do you have someone to lift you up in prayer? If you don't, I want to encourage you. Find a group of people. You can talk to me. I'd be more than glad to point you in the right direction. Don't do life alone. Now look at what happens when we pray. I love this. Verse 19. That night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. I love when we pray and God answers our request. You know, the Bible says in Jeremiah 33.3, it says this, one of my favorite verses, reading it from the the message translation, it says this, call to me and I will answer you. Think about that. Call, God is saying, call to me and I'll answer you. And I will show you marvelous and wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. And that was the case for Daniel. Daniel is like, man, I'm, I'm, I need, I need your supernatural hand. Like, there's no way that we can guess what this dream is about. But God, we know that there's, with you, nothing is impossible. And so, I want to claim Jeremiah 33, 3 in my life. And I take that promise, and that man, when I'm going through a difficult time, I'm hanging on to this. And that promise for you in Jeremiah 33, Three, call to me and I will answer you. And I will show you marvelous and wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. That's a promise for you and for me. That, we're not just talking about Daniel. This is not a history lesson. This is something that you can use today. And so let me ask you, do you receive the promise? 
Do you believe it? Do you, are you, like, you going to hang on to, the, to it for dear life? Because you and I need to hear that our Heavenly Father is still tuning in to our request when we're struggling. When we don't know if He's around, we need that promise for us to, to be strengthened, for us to make it to the next day. Last thing, when you're asked to do the impossible, and we'll close. So number one, what are you going to do? You're not going to panic. You're going to learn the why. You're going to learn the facts and the motivation. You're going you're gonna to ask for time to create a solution. Okay. You're going to recruit a group of people to pray for you, a group of friends. And the last one, and this is really important. I want you to get this. Don't miss it. Always point people to God. Always point people to God. The reason why, as a church, we've gone, we've put a little bit of emphasis on our church online platform. The reason why uh, we have kids ministry, and I know that currently we're not doing anything because of the the coronavirus, but the reason why we're going to start looking for a youth pastor, uh, and we have a group of people who are going to, who they've been meeting for months now, and we we're going to put it out, and we're going to start doing that soon. The reason why we have an outstanding worship team, and we have incredible volunteers, about 70 volunteers show up week after week after week. The reason why we went to two services, it's not because, you know, like, like it, because of any of us, because of any, like none of us really wanted to, you know, show up at you know, 6.45 in the morning, 7 in the morning. No, no, the reason why we work so hard, and I know we're not perfect, we're far from it, but the, the reason why we do everything that we do is because we want to point people to God. This is what I prayed, like this is what I prayed this morning. God, help me say some things that will save some people. God, help me say some things. You've heard me say it before. Save people, serve people. And so my prayer is, God, help me to say something that will save our people from disaster, that will save them from their problems, that will save them from their own self-defeat and from the the conflict that they're going through and the the struggles. God, help me to say something. Help, Help us as a church to do something for the community that will save our people. Now, here's what I want you to know. God will show you stuff. If you ask him, he'll show you just like Daniel. He'll show you things. And when he does, my encouragement to you, when, when God shows you stuff, you need to understand that it's not just for your own benefit. It's so that you can tell others. It's so that others can be saved. That's your witness. That's your mission here in this world. Life is not about you. And sometimes some of the struggles that you and I go through in life is so that we have a testimony and so, so that other people can see the greatness and the beauty of our Savior. So what does Daniel do? Look at it, verse 27 and 28, and we're done. Daniel runs into the palace and says to the king, There are no wise men, enchanters or magicians or fortune tellers, who can reveal the king's secret. So he says, what I'm about to tell you, it's not coming from man. I didn't think it up. Uh, it was not given to me. Like, I didn't come up with it. No other man gave it to me. What you were asking is truly like an impossible thing. But what you gave me was given by God. Only God knows the future. No man can solve this problem. 
And so he says, he says, what you've asked us to do is impossible. But, I love this, there is a God in heaven. You see how he's pointing people to God? But there is a God in heaven. I'm so grateful for this verse. You know, there is a, there is a God in heaven. When things are falling apart in your life, you can say that. But there is a God in heaven. Your dream may seem like it's over, but there is a God in heaven. You may be up to your eyeballs in this huge mess, and you don't know how to get out of it. But there is a God in heaven. And so, I love that. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, who does the impossible. And He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. And now I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay on your bed. So here's my challenge to you. Point people to God. Don't take the credit for yourself because you, honestly, you didn't come up with a solution. And so when God makes a way, and He will make a way, when you see the solution, when you see the light at the end of the tunnel, when you see that, that, there, that, that God has provided a way, don't take the credit. Don't say, oh, look at me, guys. Or, you know, when people, when people think that it's you, unbelievers look at you and they think that, man, I don't know how you did it, but that was awesome. Don't go, yeah, I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> don't do that. Give God the credit. You know, we can do one of two things. We can pat ourselves in the back or we can be quiet. What I'm challenging you to do is to speak up and say, no, 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 it's not me. There's a God in heaven who can come through. And if you don't know him, I want to I wanna share who he is with you. Now, as we close our service, I um, just want to ask you a couple of questions. So um, I would ask if you're at home or wherever you're at, maybe you, if you can create a little bit of space and maybe remove some of the distractions. Just a few questions. What do you do when you're having to deal with the impossible? Well, you have options. You can panic, that's an option, or you can learn the facts, and you can learn the motivation. So which one are you going to do? Are you going to make impulsive decisions because you're dealing with a crisis, or are you going to ask for time to create a solution? Are you going to recruit a group of people to pray for you, or are you going to try to do it on your own? And when God gives you the victory, what are you going to do then? What are you going to do with the influence? Are you going to give him credit? Are you going to point people to him, to God? Or would you just sit there quietly and not share the gospel? When you pray this with me, you can say it in your mind and in your heart. You don't have to say it out loud. But would you pray a prayer, something like this, Lord, whatever you show me, God, I don't want to use it for myself. I want to use it to save others. And I'm not going to save anybody, God, but I want you to use me so others can see the light, that others can see you. And God, I, I'm just asking, help me to point people to you. In the workplace, God, help me to point people to you. In the marketplace, in the soccer field, or right now, probably not the soccer field, but maybe the grocery store, Starbucks. Like People need the Lord right now. If there is a time, if there is a time for us to share the hope of Christ 
This is it. It may be social media. God, whatever you reveal to me, however you help me to deal with this impossible situation, God, I'm praying that you would show me how to share you with this world because I know that in turn, you will take care of me. So I have nothing to worry about. So Jesus, I ask you to save me, not just from sin, not just from hell. I ask you to save me to be whom you've made me to be. Save me from myself, God. Save me from my habits, from my hangups, from my hurts. And I pray this in the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Love you guys. Hope you have a great week.